time to talk training, fitness, and health on the Weight Endurance Podcast. We're not doctors, dietitians, or physiologists. We're professional coaches and your hosts, Cody and Kathy Waite. We've worked with hundreds of endurance athletes over the last 15 years through our training facility, plans, and programs. Within this podcast, we're sharing our own training and racing experiences, along with the knowledge gained from working with our athletes. We'll be shedding light on the training methodologies that we've found to be the most successful in making you a fitter and faster cyclist. Welcome back. I'm Cody Waite. And I'm Kathy Waite. And we're your hosts of the Weight Endurance Podcast, fueled by TheFeed.com. TheFeed.com is an online endurance sports nutrition superstore with anything and everything endurance sport related. Yeah, they're awesome. Nutrition, supplements, recovery gear, all kinds of cool stuff. So check them out. They're sponsoring our podcast this year. And for all of you, our listeners, if you go to the URL, thefeed.com forward slash teams forward slash we dash podcast dash 2022. Yeah, you, you get $20 credit. And if you can memorize that, we should throw in something else. Maybe an extra $20 <laughs> credit. If yeah. you can remember Cody that. will put the link in the show notes. But yes, the feed has been incredibly generous to our podcast, our listeners, our development team. And we're very grateful. Absolutely. So check them out. Um, and the last couple of weeks, we've been testing out Morton. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with that, it's, they, they do drinks and this unusual hydrogel um, carbohydrate solution. Um, yeah, we, we don't even know what to call it. It's yeah. like, we're, it's <laughs> a gel. We'll, we'll get to that in one second. <laughs> what do we call it? Um, but it's a very interesting product. It's been around a couple of years now. Um, you, you know, it is very high end, top end stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was used, I know, in like the Nike two-hour project or whatever when they were trying to run a marathon under two hours. That's how they oh, developed got it. it. Part got of it. Okay. why they developed it. Um, so it's interesting stuff. So it's a drink mix. There's a 320 calorie drink mix and a 160 calorie drink mix. So it kind comes of comes in little pouches. Yeah, they're little packages. Um, and then there's also a gel-like product that's 100 calories okay. as well. Um, I used all of it in well the 320 mix and the gels in the cactus cup about oh, several weeks I ago. I didn't realize that. Um, yeah, what did you think about them? I thought it was a great. It's a really great product, actually. It's very, very unique. Their their whole shtick, so to speak, is um, this hydrogel technology. So the the core ingredients are maltodextrin and fructose. That's very common these days. It's been found you can get the most carbs in with the least stomach distress combining the glucose or maltodextrin with the fructose. But what they've added is pectin and alginate. Pectin's from fruit. It's like a fiber, basically, um, from fruit, apples and things. Alginate, I read, is from algae. Right, a brown algae. Yes. If that and, matters. Right. And then, so it adds this, what they call hydrogel structure that stores the carbohydrates, encapsulates, I think was mm-hmm. in the, the wording in their mixture that then goes quickly through your stomach and right into your mm-hmm. small intestine. Right. Helps deliver it quickly so that it can be absorbed um, more like quickly in the small intestine. Is, yes. Is and that, I guess, am I getting that right? And, well, I think also with minimal stomach distress. Got so it. athletes out there that know they need, you know, three to 400 calories an hour of mm-hmm. carbohydrates, that can be stressful for some people's stomachs in mm-hmm. terms of like bloating or whatever. 
this gets out of your stomach much more quickly mm-hmm. into your intestine and that's where the stuff goes out in the, the sugar in this case goes into your uh, bloodstream okay so it's quick stomach emptying relative um i mean i used it i it worked fine for me i don't have a particularly sensitive stomach um but i did find the product palatable mm-hmm. the textures were very interesting yeah, you said the drink mix did have a little bit of like a thicker consistency because it has like that polymer base in there. Mm-hmm. So that's a little different. But the taste was nice. It was sort of a mild, neutral-ish citric, citric, citrus flavor. And I thought it was nice. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was nice. Um, the, the unusual part is this gel yeah. that we're not sure what to call it. Um, it's it, like jello. It's basically. like jello, right. And I liked it. It's clear too, which is also kind of strange to eat something clear and taste a flavor. You know how it like tricks your mind if you mm-hmm. look at it. You're like, wait, it's fl- this tastes like something, but it looks like it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, can you explain why it's in that jello-like consistency? Well, it's the same idea. So it's encapsulated in this these alginates and pectin. Okay. And it goes right in. So upon reading. The, the drink mix itself is like a regular powdery drink mix you put in your bottle. You have to do exactly 500 milliliters of water, mm-hmm. shake it up, it dissolves within a few minutes. Um, and then as it goes into your stomach, it mixes with the acids in your stomach. And I think the idea is it creates that jello-y substance of their gel. That's so And weird. that's where it gets yeah. it through your stomach really okay. quickly. The gel is already in that jello state that goes straight straight in so it's just like just a quicker delivery you know in one little yeah Um, hopefully we haven't confused people because it is such a unique product it's hard to explain it's really worth trying yeah um i would encourage everyone i mean use your 20 dollar credit from setting up the account and give it a give it a try yeah um the one thing i will what i found a little difficult high intensity and mountain biking maybe it was the combination of both getting the jello consistency like down your throat was not as easy as a thinner gel, like a Never Second or like a SIS gel. Okay. I found it because you you don't have to chew it, but you can't just simply like swallow, suck it down. Yeah, because it there's something semi solidity <laughs> to it. Yeah. It's 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 unusual. Yeah. Get, so it's try you it. you just you did tell me that like after the race you said it was um, a product you'd probably save for training and not for racing. Because you just found it a little tricky to get in. For yeah, for high intensity mountain bike racing, I found it a little difficult. Maybe with practice, it would become easier, but it's okay. it's unusual to say the least. But the feed is going to offer podcast listeners a ten percent discount on the Morton products. Mm-hmm. I'll put the link in the show notes, but it's We Podcast Dash Morton, and it's spelled M A U R T E N Dash T F P ten, and that'll get you ten percent off. Of any of the Morton products, um, but I think it's worth a try, especially if you have a sensitive stomach. For sure. Um, but yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to episode seventy-six. We are going to be talking about spring, a spring peak, not to be confused with a spring break, because we are in the midst or maybe have <laughs> concluded one's spring break from school, um, and transitioning into that race prep phase of the year because we are closing in on the end of march racing season is here for many folks we're right around the corner for others and um if you've been doing a base program either our base builder or any of your base training you know you've likely built your fitness to a fairly high peak or early season peak so to speak so we'll talk about 
how that could look and what to do. And it it transitions, it builds really well on our previous episode, um, number 75, about like building your fitness to a big level, your CTL, your chronic training load. Right, exactly. We kind of said like how to do that. And now it's sort of like once you've done that, here's what you could or should do potentially. (laughs) Cool. All Um, right, well, let's, let's jump into what we've been up to. Um, Cody, what have you been up to? Uh, writing a bit. Well, it's spring break, like I mentioned. So we've had several of our Wee Devo junior athletes come visit us here in Arizona from cooler climates, um, wanting to take advantage of their spring break and get some riding and training in with us. And that's yeah. been really fun, kind of taking them on our favorite interval routes and endurance rides and showing them around. Yeah, it was a busy household for a couple of weeks. It was. We were running like a bed and breakfast. Like they were coming and going, and yeah. Um, but it was fun. It was. It lot, was lot yeah, we had training. a lot of good energy in the house, and our daughter Sophia was really happy to have friends with you know to laugh with and right. ride with, and you know not just her boring mom and dad. Right, I'm sure that was <laughs> appreciated for her. And I found it good. Like I definitely get pushed when I have the younger ones riding with us because sometimes I just get a little bit. I don't know slow when I'm I I don't always want to go as fast on the warm-ups as you and Sophia but I found myself like right up there with you guys like pushing myself so I could stay with the fun kids and um that was kind of fun you know I had to feel like not only was I part of the group but actually my fitness is better so I could stay with you all for the warm-ups yeah Um, yeah it was good it was really good for me yeah yeah speaking of your fitness I mean we were just talking before the show here um you put together two really good weeks of training and mm-hmm. yeah I'm really just happy the last time we recorded a podcast it was right after racing in the three-day stage race called cactus cup down here and I was frankly a little bit disappointed that my performance was lackluster compared to last year and it just felt a little it felt a little discouraging like oh this hard work I put in and it didn't come to much in that race but like as you always say, some of it's just timing, and I just hadn't yet put in some of the big endurance rides. I, I have to build slowly at my age and with the body I have that I don't like hurt myself by trying to do too much too soon. Mm-hmm. But the last two weeks, I was able to get in significant training and, and I TSS in the high 700s both weeks, which for me is a lot. Mm-hmm. And it was just... I'm so tired right now, (laughs) but I feel so proud of myself. Yeah, I think you did great. I mean, over the bulk of winter, you had a a ramp rate of like three. The most, two to three. Two to three. So that's CTL progressions per week, like gains in the CTL Mm -hmm. or fitness for those of you that um, use training peaks. So kind of a mild build, Mm -hmm. but steady. And then the last two weeks have been seven each week a ramp rate of seven each week yeah so you gain 14 just in two weeks yeah um so that was definitely a big push it's a big push i'm really happy i i could do it like i i think it was perfect timing with the kids coming down to be with us it sort of infused energy into me honestly Mm -hmm. right right. and then and just like knowing that i had put in this really good base my body was able to handle two big weeks yeah that's a really good insight i think because even, you could look back and be like, well, only two or three CTL a week. I mean, that's not that much. But mm-hmm. the fact that you, you did do that over, I don't even... Five months. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Five months. So that's a long time. So that was a long, steady progression. And then stacking those bricks really allowed you to 
step on the gas pedal or the accelerator mm-hmm. these last couple of weeks. And we're going to take a couple of easy days, but then next week do, I don't know if you'll get another seven CTL next week, but you'll get probably four or five, I mm-hmm. would guess at least. So over the course of three weeks, closing in on 20 CTL, that's pretty substantial. So kind of to close out your your base build. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I mean, I think that was designed well, if I do yeah, say so myself. Yeah, good job, coach. Um, yeah, we've been finishing up our anaerobic power intervals. Yeah, I love those. Those are fun. Um, I think went really well. We, like you mentioned, we also got in a, a couple two of big rides, yeah. two three big rides since our last episode. Um, the biggest ride you've done in a long time, a Crown King <laughs> ride. Yeah, Sophia is still teasing me about how tired I was, but it was a huge loop. That it's one of your Five favorite rides. Plus hours, yeah. That you call the Crown King loop and. Lots of climbing, dusty, bumpy dirt roads and way back in the hills. Um, Yeah, so that was was really good. So those intervals, the big rides, all those things really are pushing both of our fitness levels higher, Mm -hmm. our CTL levels in training peaks. And um, yeah, you feeling good about it for yourself? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I think in the last episode I mentioned I was a a few, I think we talked about ramp Mm -hmm. rates in the last episode. And there's the in training peaks you can see your 365, so basically where you were a year ago, mm-hmm. and I think I said I was like minus three, so I was like three behind where I was last year, two weeks ago, and now I think I'm three ahead of where I was last right. year. So I mean it's this like little interesting tidbit. So I'm I've now gotten to or technically surpassed the fitness I had a year ago. So I mean that's all fine. I, I feel good and fine. I haven't really pushed anything particularly hard yet. I'm sort of saving all of that heavy stuff for later in the season. Right, um, yeah. With Leadville being in August, you have to pace yourself. And yeah. Knowing you're going to be on your bike a lot this summer. Yeah, not having any, like, quote, important races in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no need to really be doing massive amounts of training or, you know, training progressions. So doing all the training progressions, but keeping it, you know, on a medium scale of things. So... But that's all good, and and fitness is still fairly high for me. So, um, and definitely for you. So we are um, kind of coming to that spring peak. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so why don't we just talk about that? Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I'm just so glad spring. I, I bet everyone listening is feeling the same way. Yeah. Right? We've been talking to our we development writers all winter long and there have been some who have really suffered in the cold environments and kind of been depressed and maybe not as consistent with their training and now they're messaging us like you know elated that the the sun is out longer and mm-hmm. the weather is nicer and they can get outside on the on the roads and sometimes even on the trails now right and it's like the energy is sort of shifting for everyone right right um yeah so we i mean building to this high level of fitness via CTL mm-hmm. um, in training peaks. The more you train, the more that blue line, that CTL line goes up. We talked a lot about that in the last episode, 75. So if you missed that one, go back and, and listen to that. Um, and when we say spring peak, so we're not necessarily like peak race fitness. Like mm-hmm. we will hope to be later towards the end of spring or summer um, when maybe we're getting closer to one's A race. But we're at this like peak of base fitness, I guess mm-hmm. is maybe a, a better way to put it. And this might equate to, um, I don't know, about 80 to 90% of one's 
mid-season peak, like before your A race. So, so we're not as, quote, fit as we will be a few weeks to a few months from now built, you know, for an A race. Um, but we're at about 80 to 90%, depending on the person of where, where you are, um, where you might be there. So right, sort of like a moment where you feel like, oh, this is all coming together. I'm feeling really good. Right. My legs feel strong. Maybe you're noticing some body composition changes from everything you've been doing in the gym, the trainer outside. Mm-hmm. And it's you're starting to like, get excited like this is coming together right right and so races might be right around the corner for many people um so following our base builder progression you know and you come to this conclusion where we're at now or coming right to it soon is that you will in fact be fit and fast you may not be as race honed and peaked for your a race yet but you can definitely begin racing and racing Mm -hmm. quite well um so, you know, as we ha- do reach these higher levels of CTL, again, you know, maybe 90% of what midsummer might bring, um, but it's still pretty high. I mean, 90% of your best is still a lot, right, um, in terms of, like, fitness. And with that comes this, like, word of caution. We had a big um, Zoom call with our junior athletes earlier this week kind of on this exact topic of, like, you're, you're gonna, your fitness is coming if it's not here already, you know, racing, their big races are three, three-ish three weeks away. So they're getting particularly fast. Um, we're hearing from many of them that they're like feeling good and they're chomping at the bit. And, <laughs> you know, with that high level of fitness, you start to sort of like tiptoe on this like tight wire of, you know, potentially doing too much. Right, fatigue. Yeah. It's, it's right around the corner. Exactly. It's easy to be feeling so good and you want to do that extra little bit of riding or those extra intervals or ride with that faster group or whatever the case may be. But it's like that we're going to throw that word of caution out there to like mm-hmm. try and refrain from that. You're feeling great, which is awesome, but let's like save that extra work for these upcoming events or races mm-hmm. that you may have on the calendar. Um, coming up because if you do that just like one percent too much there's a high chance that you could come down with a cold or tweak something Um, I mean we know for you Mm -hmm. for example we got to be really careful really careful your two seven you know CTL ramp rate weeks are kind of opening that door possibly right for you to tweak your knee you know your knee IT band band issues well I felt that a couple weeks ago. I think I mentioned it on the last episode mm-hmm. that I took a day off because I could feel it getting tight. And part of the reason it was so tight is I had not been regularly stretching and foam rolling at nighttime. Mm-hmm. I think it was distracting having the kids here. Right, right. Our so the, the last that. four or five nights, I've been very good about it and trying to get good sleep. I mean, you and I are both pretty good about retiring early, mm-hmm. just like relaxing, watching a couple shows, reading our books, going to sleep. But I definitely have to like keep an eye on it. Like if I feel like a weird thing in my leg, I have to like evaluate. Should I do this workout today? Should I skip it? Should I just extra you know foam roll or take a Epsom salt bath? Because mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just don't want I don't want to tip over the edge. Right, right. So just take that word of caution as you start to. It's spring. You're fit. You're feeling like a young stud or filly, and <laughs> oh <my laughs> that's easy. Well, he's saying that because we're living on a horse ranch right now, and every morning we see the horses going crazy out there. Right, it's springtime, and you know what that means. Right, and so yeah, we we were, we're eager to to get after it. So 
just be careful as that fitness gets up there, CTL numbers get high. I mean, I know just as a caveat, you know, or, or anecdotal sto- story, I guess, is that for me personally, when I get my CTL over a hundred, mm-hmm. that's to me when I'm like on the tight wire now, tight rope, um, you know, and it's a balancing act and I can definitely continue to train and push it up a little bit. In recent years, it's like if I can get to 110 before coming down, like as a true peak, this would be more in the summer. I'm not attempting to do that this early yet in the year, but get up to 110 and then I have two to three weeks to bring it down to about 95 through like a taper Mm -hmm. and then I can race really well. I mean, historically over the last five years, that's been sort of where I've landed and it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely works. So, um, and that's individual to the person by the way um so it's it's not that 100 or 110 is a magical formula for everybody it's different for everyone um but it's like i know for me when i get to 100 and i'm start and i'm training above 100 Mm -hmm. it's like i gotta just like you said take all the extra precautions you know Mm -hmm. the extra sleep the best nutrition the make sure i'm rolling and stretching and all of those sorts of extra things to avoid Yeah, I I just find this like the biggest challenge too as coaches of these young riders. I mean, we had to have that conversation with Sophia again on the trail today. She wanted to do one extra hour. She was feeling so great. And I'm like, we love that. We love your enthusiasm, but we we want you to feel good in a few weeks when we're in Arkansas. Right. So please just come home with us now. (laughs) (laughs) And she's not the only one we're having this conversation with. Right, right, right. And then sadly, we have some riders on our team too that unfortunately did kind of push it too much whether it was stay up too late it was spring break you know if kids in college college kids do what they do and some of them have colds or are getting over colds and dang you know it's like there's a little setback i mean they're young and they'll bounce right back but if we can avoid that um all the better so that's our word of of caution there that with high fitness comes high fatigue and there's that vulnerability of illness or injury so um, all right, so assuming you've built this big fitness via productive, thorough base training, i.e. our base builder program perhaps, or whatever your progression has been, you have a few options here at this time of the like early season, pre-season kind of phase that we're entering. So one is, it's quite possibly with a good, strong, effective base block, you're now ready for a spring racing block. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not that you're peaking for an a race just yet but you are now fit and fast and hungry and eager and can race so you might do a race you might do a handful of races back to back you know depending on where you live and what what's available to you Um, so that's one you know if that isn't of interest or an option you know planning some big rides or a riding trip or a big training camp perhaps or something like that um, with some friends or teammates or whatever just to sort of take advantage of this big fitness that mm-hmm. you've built up is another good option. And then if that isn't really in the cards either, then it's quite possible you're ready just to take a short break, a short transition from the base period, allow that fitness to drop 10 or 15%. Mm-hmm. And this might be a little counterintuitive, but allow that fitness to drop, that CTL to drop 10 or 15%. And then you can go right into a race prep phase of training, which is where you start getting more sp- race specific to whatever your events are Mm -hmm. and then building that final build up towards those events and that's when you'd hit that true like peak level of fitness maybe by mid to late spring or later on this summer but i'm feeling good why not just keep building more fitness 
That's a great question. So why can why do we need to take this break or why do we stop training? Why do we stop base training? Why don't we just keep base training? Fitness is going up and everything's going good and you feel good. Well the thing is is like you you just you cannot keep increasing your CTL. Um, you everyone has a physiological ceiling. A lot of it's based on experience, mm-hmm. like how much training you have under your belt, the number of rides, but also the number of years, maybe mm-hmm. decades of riding. Um, there's, you know, there's all the physiological limits of how much load you can handle before you get sick or injured. Yeah, right. We just talked about like your personal limits that you figured out. Right. Right. So everyone has those physiological limits. Everyone or most people have time constraint limits, mm-hmm. right? We'd all love to be able to ride five hours a day every day, but <laughs> we have work and we have family and we have all these other things. So time constraints will keep you from you know, accumulating the TSS every day to build that CTL, CTL higher and higher. Mm-hmm. Um, and an interesting little like mathematical side of CTL and TSS for those that are unfamiliar um, in training with training peaks is your um, the amount of so so to push continue pushing your CTL higher chronic training load your days training has to be a TSS score higher than your current CTL okay so when your CTL gets to a hundred you have to do a training ride that has more than a hundred TSS to continue pushing it up. So if it has 100 TSS on the day, you'll just stay. Like your CTL won't go up or down. If you have 80 TSS on the day, so less, it might go down a point or two. I don't know exactly, but it'll go down a little bit. If you did 20 or nothing, it would go down a a couple of points probably Mm, to the next day, right? If you do a ride that's, if your CTL is at 100 and you do a ride that's 150 TSS, it will probably go up a couple points. If you do a big ride that's 300 TSS, it's probably going to go up three or four points, you know, from to the next day. So that that's all related. So you can see how when your CTL starts to get high, you know, up to 80, 90, 100, over 100, your daily rides, in order to stay there or keep pushing it up, your daily rides have to be ginormous up that 80 90 100 <laughs> right, right. Um, and of course over the course of a week yeah you know ctl does come down a little when we have lighter recovery days it'll go up significantly on longer endurance days to get the big and you know that's how you end up getting three four five six ctl in a week um, so it's sort of something to kind of think about and it puts it in perspective too so it's like when your ctl gets up close to 100 you have to be training mm-hmm. You know, basically, you have to be getting six to seven hundred, seven hundred TSS a week just to keep it at a hundred. Right. Right. You have to have a hundred a day. Um, I think actually mathematically, it would, if you did a hundred a day, it would still go up for a while, and then it would like plateau. But But, let's get in the weeds. The point is, going back to that cheesy analogy I said a couple episodes ago, or maybe maybe it's the last one about like. If your your body is a sponge, you get so much water, i.e., fitness in the sponge, it mm-hmm. can no longer even absorb it. Yeah, and that's why, like a transition week or two, where you drop your CTL ten or fifteen percent, should not be a scary thing. Right, it's your opportunity to wring out the sponge a little bit, so you can go back out there and keep riding. and absorb some more training. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, I love the sponge analogy. That's a great great way to do it. Um, yeah, and so if you keep 
training, trying to keep, you know, we're going back to the original, why, why not keep building more fitness? Well, if you, if you do keep doing that, eventually you hit that, that you can't continue to build it. And that's what creates a plateau mm-hmm. in fitness. So that's why just training more and more and more and more doesn't just make you more and more and more fit or, or faster and faster and faster. You might get faster initially, and then you hit a plateau where you suddenly are training every bit as much or maybe even more than you were a month or two or three ago, but you're not getting any faster, right? right? And you'll see that even like year after year for like people that ride, that's like their main thing. And they're doing the same thing year after year after year. They, they hit a plateau and they just are not getting any faster. So they need to do something different. Um, in many cases, it's take a break right. to wring out right. the sponge. Um, and then eventually, if you were to keep going, there'd be a decline in fitness, whether it just sort of slowly tapered off or you got sick or injured and it just plummeted. Um, and then, yeah, the bottom line is injury or illness. That'd be the worst case scenario. Yeah, which nobody wants. Right. Exactly. Um, okay. So option one, early season racing. If you're coming off your base build, Mm -hmm. The best option to do here is include a lighter recovery week just to wring that sponge out a little bit, um, but not a lot. Kind of freshen up a little bit. Um, come, you know, your fitness, your CTL will come down just a little bit, but you'll trade some training stress balance, some freshness for that, and start racing pretty well. Um, it might only take one week, maybe two weeks at, at the most of some lighter riding um mm-hmm. or just short just shorter rider riding perhaps with some higher intensity stuff or something to sort of taper in a way um for that the higher your fitness got your ctl got the longer the recovery might be needed to mm-hmm. start racing right, good. so right, right. so what i'm saying is if you took a lighter sort of recovery week after your base build and then race that weekend you might race okay. You race again the next weekend. You'll probably race really well. Right. Odds are, um, in in terms of how you feel and, and whatnot. Um, and if there are no races available to you, um, consider retesting. It's mm-hmm. definitely a good time to retest, especially if you haven't done so in a while, because undoubtedly your if your fitness is up, your power numbers probably went up as well. And then. If no races are available, you know, doing things like a PR attempt on your favorite climb or loop of some sort, um, Strava segments, if you're mm-hmm. into that sort of thing, or do some big rides with, with friends. Yeah, the sky's the limit. And um, I'm sure you can find some friends to go do some adventures with. Yeah, it's springtime. Yeah. Go to the desert, Moab, or I don't know, wherever you live. That yeah. Take a little trip or something and um, do some, some fun riding because you got that fitness. Um, yeah, so then if, let's say you've done these races or you did this big trip or whatever the case may be, now you're ready for a little transition and that's going to be more of a complete ring out of the sponge as opposed to just a recovery week. So how long do you consider a a good transition time for someone? So a good transition time is going to depend on how much fitness you've built and also how consistent you've been with your training. So someone who's been really consistent, you know, day in, day out, their training peaks is like mostly green, you know, and, and, and so forth. They build a lot of fitness. You probably would take, I don't know, four or five days off the bike. Even a whole week? Possibly a whole week. Um, I I don't know if a whole week for a mid season transition, I would say a whole week, like after an A race. Mm -hmm. Um, but this is more like 
a, a smaller transition. Like a period transition. Yeah, in between yeah, yeah. base build and your race prep okay. phase. So um, four or five days, some sort of break like that, just to kind of hit the reset button mentally as much as physically. Okay. If someone has been less consistent with their training or just lower volume in general, it could just be like two or three days. Okay. Um, just a, a little shorter break. But it's just like a nice little reset, like you like you said in your analogy, that full ring out of the sponge and then you come back um finish riding the rest of that week if it you know if it's just a half of a week break then keep riding you know get back to riding the rest of the week and then you'll be ready to kind of get into your race prep phase where training gets more specific to your particular events that you're targeting okay yeah um and then when you're ready for that race prep phase of the season we have um coming very very soon i just about have it finished up is our version 4.0 race prep plans okay those will be available on training peaks we're also gearing up our race prep program for 2022 which involves basically picks up right where our base builder program ends most of our base builder athletes are continuing on into the um, race prep portion of the program i build the custom program for them based off of the the TSS and CTL and everything they accomplished over their okay. base build. Um, if they haven't, some of them are coming in directly into the race prep phase, meaning they didn't do base builder with us. Um, I can look at their past data or if they're really just coming in off the couch, I just modify things to address the loads for them. Um, if they're just getting sort of a later start to the season and the plan is built specifically for each individual rider and their race schedule and all that sort of thing. And then we'll have our, we'll have zoom calls and we'll have, other interactive um, educational and Q&A type stuff for the members of the program as well. Um, I'm really excited about that. And, th- and that program is designed for the endurance-oriented cyclists, so gravel racer, marathon mountain biker, Leadville mountain biker, all that kind of stuff. So we have a lot of Leadvillers, which is really exciting, and a bunch of gravel racers as well. Um, we also oh, we have um, a little side project that I'm excited to be a part of is coaching um, Eldon Nelson, who hosts the Leadville podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing his program for him, and he's having me as a guest on his show coming up here. Um, so we're getting deep into the Leadville stuff on that show. So um, that'll be fun. Yeah, it's super cool. I know you're excited about it. Yeah. I mean, Leadville just makes you happy. It motivates you to get out the door, and it's been a real honor for you to help Eldon and have him like wanting you on his podcast. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be really cool. Awesome. Um, yeah. And I've thoroughly enjoyed the base builder program with our adults and glad that we get to continue it for the race prep phase. Mm-hmm. I can't say that very well. Yeah, race it'll be fun. prep phase. Yep. Yeah, the conversations on the Zoom calls have been awesome. Like the adults are super interactive, way more than the kids on our yeah. Depot <laughs> team are. And it's just been awesome. Yeah, it's been really good. So if you don't have a plan yet for you know your race prep, time of the season consider ours jump in um i'll put a link in the show notes how to get on that but you can go to weightendurance.com it's like right at the very like web top of the web page banner to learn more about that and sign up if you are interested so all right um well we do have two more weeks of base builder left okay so we think i can do it (laughs) one more link in the energy system chain to tackle okay what is it those are the peak power intervals. Okay. Sprints. Yeah. Do you want to talk about those? Well, it's kind of fun. I, like, I really enjoyed the anaerobic power intervals, which are sort of like sprints. Mm-hmm. You know, 15 second, 30 second, one minute. 
um, this next block the chain in the like whatever your analogy link is, link of the chain, <laughs> is true sprints where you're like aiming for this peak power for several seconds. And it is fun. I, I did a few of these interval sessions, I think, in November when I was just doing some like easy base riding. And you're like, hey, why don't you just throw in some of these to keep your legs moving? Mm-hmm. Um, you feel kind of awkward at first if you haven't done them, but they're fun. Yeah. 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 So it's that it's that top end sprint power, like one to five second power. Mm-hmm. You'll hit, I don't know, in the neighborhood of 300% of your FTP. So it's, it's big, you know. Um, it's a maximal total body effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're pulling on the bars, pushing on the pedals, connecting through the core, all that sort of stuff. Lots of recovery in between the sprints. So basically you get warmed up and then you go, I like to do sets of four sprints with about two minutes recovery in between, two to three minutes. That allows that creatine phosphate system to sort of replenish, recharge, because this is a true like anaerobic effort. You mm-hmm. just get after it for 10 seconds or so. Heart rate's completely irrelevant. You just kind of go for it. I do feel like it's such a strange like sensation like to do the sprint and you feel like you've like emptied your body of everything. Like your ATP is done. Right. And you, it, it is weird. Like you feel like this empty sensation. Like a quick battery like, drawdown. Yeah. yeah. And then, it, yeah, you just spin for many minutes to let your body build, create some more ATP for yeah. the next one. Yeah. And then you hit it again. So it is good. And it's kind of funny. Like a lot of people ask, well, I'm an endurance cyclist. Why do I need to do sprints? I rarely, if ever, sprint like in a race or, you know, elsewhere when I'm riding. That is true, but it is a piece of a chain, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the link in the chain and your that old analogy of like your chain is only as strong as the weakest link. So if you completely neglect that sprint power, it does affect the power across the whole chain. It really does. They're all It's all interconnected. We won't spend tons of time doing it. I mean, it's like literally three or four workouts in total of the whole season, basically, that we touch on it. But you know, it is important um, to be a complete cyclist, to kind of elevate every mm-hmm. energy system, you know, every power range or in the power curve. Um, and, and then if it, you don't use it, you'll lose it. Exactly. That's where I was going with it. Thanks. <laughs> it's a, That is a definite adage here. If you don't use it or lose it. Um, and the other little thing too, more of scientific-y is that, you know, we have those slow twitch muscle fibers that we rely heavily on in endurance cycling. And then we have our fast twitch muscle fibers. And there's a couple different two or three subdivisions of the types of fast twitch fibers. And as we do longer endurance rides and races, our slow twitch fibers will eventually begin to fatigue. And so what they do is they lean over and recruit those fast twitch fibers to lend a hand. And you're, you'll those fast twitch fibers have to do some aerobic work. Well, if you can keep those fast twitch fibers awake on an annual basis, at least, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you're, you're hitting them a little more frequently than annually, but that's, it feels like it. Cause I, I only do like four sprint workouts in a, a season kind of thing. <laughs> um, but it will keep them activated and around and able to be utilized and we do that through strength training as well that's one of the big reasons why you do strength training for cycling Mm -hmm. is because that hits similar muscle fibers as the sprint power um to keep those type 2 2a bx whatever they're called fibers there's all kinds of acronyms it depends who you talk to (laughs) (laughs) well do you want to just run through like our benchmark session yeah so yeah our benchmark 
sprint session or peak power session is three sets of four 10 second sprints okay where the sprints are all out the recoveries are two to three minutes very very easy um, you can do them on a trainer you can do them outside um, and just kind of seeing like what kind of top numbers can you see you know, mm-hmm. it is sort of fun and then take about five ten minutes of easy pedaling in between the sets to get fully recharged in between as well um yeah and you can begin because they are surprisingly taxing like in the moment mm-hmm. you're like oh this is easy just a quick sprint you know with lots of rest but they do draw down your battery quite a bit yeah i think it's a very interesting workout yeah so you do you might start with just two sets work up to three maybe even a four possibly um, you know, and if you're, you know, your HRV is high and your readiness scores are green and saying mm-hmm. like you're ready for more load, you could do an additional set as well. So I remember doing these last November, like I said, and here's how I did it. I thought it was kind of fun. I was on my mountain bike. I had a ride from your dad's house to the trail system and it took about 35 minutes. Mm-hmm. So like 20 minutes in, I was like warmed up enough to try a few sprints and from that point to where I got to the trailhead, mm-hmm. I threw in a few sprints. Okay. Okay. Then I went and played on the trails for an hour and a half or so, whatever I had time for. On the way back on the same road, I did another two to four sprints. Mm-hmm. And it was cool to see if I could still like hit the same, hit the same numbers. The same like, honestly, for me, I do better after riding longer. You're like more warmed yeah. up. Yeah. And it was just kind of fun. I, you don't have to like always follow the exact progression right. in the training peaks workout. True. You can make it work for where you are. Yeah. And so it was kind of fun doing it that way. Yeah. That's a great way to do it. Yeah. And I think throwing in some sprints like that, if it's not a quote sprint workout, like what we're going to be doing the next two weeks, mm-hmm. just at the end of your endurance ride or in the middle, like you said, or, or bookending it or whatever, throwing in a few is definitely useful. We will, you know, do that. Um, in fact, I mean, to tell another story, recently on the, to finish our weekly long Sunday rides, mm-hmm. I've had Sophia and any of the other kids that were with us on the given day, you know, this is like four hours, five hours into a long ride, and I'll have them do three sprints like in that last like half an hour of the ride you know Mm -hmm. before we get home and they love it of course because kids love sprinting um but it's fun and you get to see like their numbers and a few of the numbers were quite impressive to be honest but um yeah and they came home bragging about it which is fun yeah felt really good about themselves oh yeah they they clean my clock on sprints every time that's the funny part (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so that is going to be the final link in the chain for our base builder and then we'll be ready to Either take a little break or um, maybe do a race uh, coming Stay up. Stay tuned. Yeah. Yeah, well, this was good to talk about. And um, shoot us a message if you have questions. Check out all the links for deals at thefee.com. They're so awesome. And our um, consider our race prep program. Yeah. I'd love to have you be a part of it. Yeah. Check us out, weightendurance.com. You can find us, Weight Endurance, on Instagram. Both you and I are on Strava, Cody Weight, Kathy Weight. Um, and if you have any questions, send us emails as well. Cody at teamweight.com or Kathy with a K at teamweight.com. And lastly, ratings and reviews help us a lot. Yeah, that'd too. be great. We've kind of like hit this plateau oh, of darn it. ratings and reviews. So if anyone's out there listening and you can leave, Take leave a us second, a rating yeah. and review, that'd be great. And share with your friends too, of course. Yeah, well, thanks for tuning in and we will talk to you in a couple weeks. All right. Have a good one, everybody.
Everything we discuss on the Weight Endurance Podcast, we integrate into our annual Base Builder training program and downloadable training plans. Our Base Builder program is an annual online virtual group training program with us as your coaches, allowing you to build your best cycling-based fitness possible to prepare you for your next riding season. We also offer downloadable training plans for base building, cycling-specific strength training, and specialized race preparation for road, gravel, mountain bike racing, and everything in between. Consider our training plan subscription service, where you gain access to all of our training plans for as little as $20 per month. This allows you to easily switch between plans to create your most complete annual training progression. Regardless of the type of cyclist you are, by becoming a part of the weight endurance training community, you're allowing us to help you become a fitter and faster cyclist.